You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 158 by Rudolf Steiner, entitled Our Connection with the Elemental World, translated by Simon Blacksland DeLang. This is Part 8, or we could say Lecture 8. It's an address, Introduction to a Lecture for Members, given in Berlin on the 7th of January, 1913, on Olaf Ostesen, The Awakening of the Earth Spirit. The time from Christmas until now is one of great importance and significance, also in an occult sense. It is referred to as the period of the thirteen days, and the remarkable thing is that its importance is sensed by those people who have, as regards their whole inner disposition, still retained something of the old connection of the human soul with the spiritual world of which we have often spoken. As we know, so-called primitive people who live in the countryside or in a community that has been less affected by our modern civilization have retained more of the connection with the spiritual world that formerly existed in olden times than those who live in modern cities. For this reason we find so much in folk poetry concerning experiences of the soul, specifically during the time between Christmas and Three Kings Day, 6 January. This is the time after the darkest point of the year and immediately after the winter solstice, when the sun is again beginning its ascendant course and nature is most deeply immersed in itself and released and liberated from external influences. And when the human soul is, likewise, able to have experiences of a quite particular kind if it maintains its connection with the spiritual world. Those people who no longer possess the old clairvoyance but still retain an inner connection with the spiritual world feel a difference in the mysterious world of dreams at this time of year. What the soul can experience at such a time is highly meaningful because if it is still receptive it has the greatest possibility of insight into the spiritual world. For someone who is wholly in tune with modern times, the course of the year is such that he no longer makes any particular distinction between the different seasons. Thus, whereas a snowstorm may be raging outside, and it is already dark at four o'clock, and will be late before it grows light again, the city dweller has a similar experience to the summer months when the sun unfolds its full strength. People have been sundered from the old connection with the cosmos in which they lived when they were out in nature. But for those who have preserved a connection with nature, what happens at the time of the Christmas festival is not the same as events that occur at another time, for example at the height of summer. Whereas at midsummer the soul is most fully emancipated from its connection with the spiritual world, at the time when nature is most fully asleep, it is connected to the greatest degree with the spiritual world, 
and in former times experienced some remarkable things during this time. Now there is a beautiful example of folk literature in the old Norwegian language which was recently rediscovered and because of the exceptional degree of understanding displayed by the Norwegian people has rapidly regained its popularity. It concerns a man named Olaf Astason who still felt a connection with the spiritual world. And this poem beautifully describes what Olaf Astason experiences in the time between Christmas and Three Kings Day. I made an initial attempt at the New Year Festival in Hanover in 1912 to present a German rendering of this dream song, and we can therefore experience it here as well. We shall now hear this song about Olaf Astason, which tells of his experiences during the Thirteen Nights. Bracket, the recitation by Marie von Sievers now followed. Close bracket. Steiner again. The poem itself is old, but as I have said, it has recently re-emerged, as it were, of its own accord amongst the Norwegian people and been very rapidly disseminated. The fact that something of this kind is being shared so widely is one sign among many others in the present time which demonstrates how great a longing there is to understand those mysteries which anthroposophy can disclose to us. That something of the kind that is being described here happens, or at any rate could happen a relatively short time ago, shows that this is no mere product of the imagination. This poem is by no means a work of fantasy, but represents an actual reality. In that, Olaf Astason is the representative of people of those northern regions who still had the possibility, until approximately the midpoint of the Middle Ages, of literally experiencing what is being articulated here. When our Norwegian friends gave me this poem during a previous visit to Christiania, and wanted me to say something about it, this fact of general spiritual scientific interest was uppermost in our minds. But what led to our wish to introduce this poem into our program of studies was that it has many aspects which can be explored further, in that an anthroposophical understanding of it can enable one to have an ever deeper insight into what comes to light through this poem. Thus, for example, it was of immediate significance to me that Olaf, which is an old Norwegian name, has the surname Astason, or the son of Asta. From this I tried to discover something about the mother of this son. One can, of course, say all kinds of things, some of which might cause dissent, about the significance of the word Ast. But it is not possible today to enter into all the questions that arise. Taking everything into consideration, the approximate meaning of Olaf Astason is that he is a son of that soul who descends from generation to generation and is connected with the blood that flows from one generation to another. Thus we have traced this name back to what we have so often spoken about in an anthroposophical context, that in former times the old clairvoyance was linked with the blood that flows through the generations. And so one might translate Olaf Astason as follows. Olaf, who has been born from many generations and still bears the qualities of these many generations in his soul.
When we come to consider his experiences, it is of immediate interest to be aware of what the sleeping Olaf Astesen lives through between Christmas and the ensuing thirteen days, during which he does not wake up, that is, he is in a particular kind of psychic condition. If one lets the various verses that reflect the particular experiences in a directly accessible way make their impression on one's mind, one will be reminded of certain descriptions of the first stage of initiation, where it is indicated that the human individual is being led to the gate of death. It is shown throughout the poem that Olaf Astesen is approaching the threshold of death. This is made particularly clear through the fact that he himself feels like a corpse, even to the point of feeling the earth between his teeth. And when we recall that when someone is undergoing initiation, his ether body extends far beyond the confines of the skin, and he becomes ever larger, so that he becomes part of the wide cosmic spaces, so likewise are we shown in this poem how Olaf Astesen descends to the depths of the earth and rises up to cloud-wrapped heights. All that a person has to undergo after death, for example in the sphere of the moon, is similarly experienced by Olaf Astesen. There is a poetic description of how the moon shines brightly and how the way extends far into the distance. Then the abyss is described which has to be crossed in the world that lies between the human world and the world that leads out into the cosmic expanses. This heavenly bridge connects the human and cosmic worlds. Then our attention is drawn to the beings that find their expression in the constellations, the bull, the serpent. But for someone who can perceive the world in its spiritual aspect, the constellations are only the expression of what is spiritually present in the cosmic expanses. Then, in the description of Brooksvalen, the world of Kamaloka is portrayed. We are shown how a kind of repayment or atonement takes place, how people experience in compensatory terms what they have not been able to achieve here on the earth. But there is no need to interpret all the details of this poem, and indeed this is wholly inappropriate for poems of this kind. But one should have the sense that these elements have arisen from a mood that is closely associated with what has lived far longer amidst such a people than amongst those people that inhabited the interior of the continent, or have come in contact with the civilization of modern cities. Amongst the Norwegian people, whose language still has much that lies close to the threshold of occult mysteries, the possibility has long existed for souls to maintain a connection with what lives and weaves behind outward material phenomena. You will recall my having explained that the cycle of the year has its counterpart in a spiritual course of events, that in spring, when the plants put forth their shoots, when everything comes to life again and the days grow lighter, we have to recognize that the elemental and higher spirits connected with the earth are engaged in what we might call a process of falling asleep. In spring, when the earth is outwardly waking up, the earth is, from a spiritual point of view, falling asleep. 
And when outer nature is fading and decaying, the spiritual nature of the earth is awakening. Thus when around Christmas time outer nature is in a state of sleep, this is the time when the spiritual aspect of the earth, which connects both the less significant elemental beings and also great powerful beings with earthly existence, is most awake and active. Only from an outward perspective does it appear that we would have to associate spring with the awakening of the earth and winter with its falling asleep. For occult observation, it is the other way round. The spirit of the earth, which consists of many spirits, is awake in the winter and asleep in the summer. Just as the organic and vegetable-like aspects of the human organism are most active during sleep and extend their forces into the brain. Whereas this purely organic activity is killed when, while we are awake. So is it with the earth. When the earth is most active, when everything has come into leaf and blossom and the sun has reached its highest point around St. John's Day, the spirit of the earth is sleeping. And the fact that the Christmas festival the festival of the awakening of the spirit, has been placed in the winter is not unconnected with these occult truths. The customs and traditions that have been handed down from former times harmonize in many respects with these occult insights. Anyone who lives with an awareness of the spirits of the earth does not only celebrate the St. John's Festival in the summer, for the St. John's Festival in summer is in a certain sense a materialistic festival, celebrating what is being manifested through an outward materialistic revelation. But someone who has a connection with the spirit of the earth, with what lives spiritually within the earth, is, like Olaf Astesen, most inwardly awake, that is, outwardly asleep, at Christmas time during the thirteen days. This is also an occult fact which, for occultism, has exactly the same significance as, for example, the fact of the position of the sun has for ordinary materialistic science. Of course, materialistic science will take it for granted that in astronomy it describes the activity of the sun in summer and winter in a purely outward way. And it would consider it sheer stupidity to put forward an idea which for the occultist is a fact namely that the spiritual state of the sun is at its most intense in winter, and that therefore the conditions are then most favorable for someone who wants to develop an inner awareness of the spirit of the earth and of everything of a spiritual nature. We may therefore conclude from this that anyone who is seeking an inner deepening of his soul can have the best experiences in the thirteen days of the Christmas period when inner experiences emerge without his even noticing them, although people today who are emancipated from outward processes can have occult experiences at any time. However, insofar as outer nature can, nevertheless, exert some influence, the time between Christmas and New Year is the most important. So, this poem reminds us in a completely natural way that much of what we have been able to speak about in connection with the time between death and a new birth was, until relatively recently, still directly accessible in certain regions of the earth. 
and that many people have continued to be aware of it from direct experience. The end of Lecture 8